All right, so today you're going to get something that you're not going to get anywhere else. You're not going to find people like Joe Olstein talking about this subject because it's touchy. Uh, it's, uh, but it's, it's here. It's here in the Word of God. It's here in every day, and uh, it's becoming more and more, more prevalent. And we think it's uh, something that should be simple, but it seems as time goes on, we're taking simpler things and we're complicating them. We're distorting them and we're making them into something they're not. It's all interwoven of how Satan is trying to use lies and deception and just the nature of the world to change things to remove God from it. He wants to remove God, remove God's mission, remove God's reason for why he has these things in the first place. And we have certain subjects that we don't talk about because we're afraid that it's going to offend. We're afraid that we're going to hurt someone's feelings. We're afraid that people may not like us anymore. We're afraid we may not get the same kind of funding or treatment that we had prior but it is, in fact, God's Word. And all of God's Word needs to be taught in its entirety. And uh, last week I talked a little bit about how we get not everything. We get told about the good part. You know, we go to heaven and God has a hope for us and God has this and that. But they leave out how. What our part is. And this is more of this leaving out. We have all these things. We avoid the subjects. And a lot of times people are, are confused about it simply because they don't have the knowledge. And what better place to get it than right here. So, uh, you know that as a, as a man you might hold open a door for a lady. That, that's taught as a southern gentleman. That, that's respect. That's manners. You hold open a door. And you might say excuse me. And use the word ma'am. Or miss. But there's been times that this has taken place. And people have actually become offended. Because they don't consider themselves what we see on the outside. We see a woman. We see a lady. We see a miss. We see a ma'am. And it can go the other way. It can be a, a sir, a him. But yet they don't see themselves as that. And without any reason to think otherwise, a person can become chastised because they use the wrong terminology. I was listening to a, a talk show. And the first thing they did was they introduced the person. Hi, this is such and such. And then they asked that person, what pronouns do you use to describe yourself? So if I haven't guessed yet, we're talking on what is gender. I seen a chart that came out of California. And no longer are they just male and female, but they have 32 different options you can select 
as your gender. 32. And it meant very little to me. It was a chart with little, what I would call bathroom symbols. You know, you see the little lady with the skirt for the female, and you see the male with the pants for the, for the male. We've seen these on the bathroom doors for generations. Universal symbols. Well, it's a combination of the two. And then they, there was, each little section was colored in blue and pink. And I don't know exactly what all that represented and how you can have a, a blue arm and a pink body and what that represents as you, but that is what they determined. And we see this, this movement now that they are more than two genders. So what does God have to say about that? So we'll go to the, the very beginning. In Genesis 1 and 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And so to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that move upon the earth. And to back me up here, we're going to switch over to the New Testament. And Matthew. And this is Jesus speaking before the Pharisees. And in chapter, uh, chapter 19, verse 4, he says unto them, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read which he had them at the beginning made them male and female. Male and female. You know, uh, growing up as a farm kid, whenever uh, you'd have some new life on the farm, uh, uh, a litter of pigs or a litter of puppies or a new baby goat. You want to know, is it a boy or a girl? And it's pretty easy to figure out. All you have to do is look. If it has certain equipment, it's one. And if it's a different kind of equipment, it's the other. And that lies true for humans as well. We are what we are. Now, many times from a religious point of view, we get, well, that's what it says. But I'm going to take it further. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to put some understanding, put some what God is telling us with this. We've talked about it before. God is all about family. He tells us to be fruitful and multiply. He tells us that it is great to find a spouse. He tells us that children are gifts. And he designed men and women different. And for different reasons. Because they are to come together as one single unit. 
Because, face it, men, we have things that we are lacking. They are things that my wife can do better than me because she is better equipped for it being a woman. Women are more compassionate. They are more caring. They are more nurturing. But men, we do things too. We are the protector, the provider, the leader. And there are certain things built into our DNA that makes us better for these positions. But where one side lacks, the other side picks up. And together, it forms a perfect union the way God had intended. We are to be fruitful and multiply. It's just not biblical truth. It is scientific proof. Studies show that children that grow up with both parents present in their lives are more productive, more well-rounded, more able to adapt. They have a better skill set. Because they are getting things from both sides that they need to develop. So, it's often said that when it comes to, let me back up, when it comes to someone that is not the normal of what here. We're not going outside the, the lines of, of male and female with either your being or what you are too attracted to. And I really think it's two separate issues. So let's look at the, at the first one first. We have, uh, in recent years, we see that we have the technology now that if you don't believe you're what you're supposed to be, we can go to a doctor and we can have reassignment. You can be someone else. We've uh, seen Bruce Jenner, after all these years, decided that he now wants to be female and made that happen. There is a push to not assign gender at birth, to wait till the child is old enough to decide for their own. So, why is this? Why is it that we're not always happy with who we are? And what, how does that affect it from a God point of view? Well, from what I can tell is when someone is in the state, they either want to push religion away, they don't want to deal with it, they don't want to believe in it because this doctrine goes against how they feel and how they believe. And then we have the next category that they believe. They believe there is God. God is real. But yet, they feel that God made them that way, so it must be okay. That doesn't work. 
Because we cannot, God doesn't contradict himself. God doesn't make mistakes. So God doesn't put all of this stuff in his word that is still valid 100% today as it was when it was written. God doesn't tell us all these things and do something that is in contrast to it. So no, God did not make you that way. God is perfect. God knows the beginning from the end. So somewhere in the assembly line, God did not take a female soul and put it into a male body. God did not take a male soul and put it into a female body. This is not on God. So am I saying that it's a, a made-up problem? Is it a, a situational thing? Absolutely not. I believe 100% that people are, in some cases, born this way. But people are also born with birth defects. Is that an act of God? People are born addicted to drugs. Is that an act of God? People are born with diseases, conditions that affect them their whole lives. Is that from God? The answer is no. We are made in the image of God. That is a perfect image. But what happened is man fell. Man fell. So now we are living in a condemned, fallen world that is ransacked with sin. And we see generation upon generation upon generation. If you study the Word of God, you see closer to the, the Genesis side of things, people live for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then God put in place that lifespan will only be 120. He shortened it. But yet, 120 is still a lot. But how many people make it to that 120 mark? A lot of us are lucky if we make it to half that. If you get up into your 70s and 80s, you've done something special. And it's because of sin. Each generation, it gets worse and worse. And think about it. We started out, Adam and Eve, as these perfect God creations. But then, as sin entered into the picture, like a cancer, it changes the cells. It changes the situation. It eats away. And what happens is this new form, this new humanity is passed down from generation to generation. Some from the mother, some from the father, and it comes together and each generation has more and more. So no matter how good our technology gets, how far we come in science, one thing we can't do is we cannot overcome sin by man alone. The only way we can overcome sin is through coming to Jesus Christ, to be covered by His blood. So yes, this 
is a sin. We all have crazy thoughts. And some of us are driven by different things. There is all kinds of conditions that make us do things that are out of the norm. And the thing is, whether you give into it or deny it is where the battle is won or lost. You know, I might have a thought that I wonder what it would be like to stick my hand in that ceiling fan right there. Well, if I acted upon that or went to act upon that, you guys would think that would be pretty crazy. You'd probably stop me. We've just gotten into society whether what we are deeming to be okay. And it seems like if it's really not hurting anybody or if it's too much trouble or if it's going to hurt someone too many feelings, we don't worry about anything else. We don't now don't ever take in consideration what God says. Morality is no longer an issue in today's world. Then we have how do we treat people like this? You know, we all have our sins. We were talking earlier this morning about food. Eating in abundance. Eating unhealthy. That's a sin. We're indulging a pleasure to a point of excess that's causing physical harm to ourselves. Some of us smoke or chew tobacco. Some of us drink too much, abuse drugs, abuse the flesh. And it's all sin. Sometimes us Christians, we want to rank sin. And we don't see the little things that we consider little in our mind as being that bad. But when we see these groups that are doing things that are, are sinful, we want to, to shun them. We want to push them away. We want them to be destroyed. When the fact is that one sin is no worse than another. We are all the same in God's eyes. Our little sins hold just as much weight as our big sins. And we're all going to account for each and every one. We have an uh, elitist attitude sometimes as Christians because, you know, we know we're going to heaven. We are God's chosen. He, we are in his family. So if we look out and we see these others, you know, sometimes we just don't want to be associated. We don't want to think that we are on the same plane as someone that's 
openly acting in sin. The only difference is we are just hiding our sin. We're doing it in the shadows instead of out in the open. We are all the same. And it's really, really uneducated to point your finger and to judge and say, you're not going to heaven because of this, or you're not going to heaven because of this. There was a lady standing and shouting out that if you eat animals, you're not going to heaven because it's cruel. God tells us in his word that they are there for that purpose. That we are above them and they are there for that purpose. But I'll give you something more than that. God tells us that anyone can be saved. Anyone can be saved. And we see examples all through the Word of God of people that's done horrendous things. Adultery, murder, lie and steal. And yet, they're there today. We all have that opportunity, no matter what our past is. And we say, now, how is it that they could be saved and still doing the things they do? How is it that any of us can be saved and do the things that we do? Because none of us are sin-free. Should we want to change? Of course we should. We should want to change in every aspect of where we fall short of the glory of God. And there is many, many But it is a, a struggle. And Satan wants to put us down. He wants us to make us feel small and beaten and destroyed. And just like if you wanted to quit smoking. But you break down and you wind up having, having one more. And maybe the next day you wind up having one more. Well, you know... At least you're not still having a pack or two or three. It's a battle that we live in every day. Who's going to win? Is the spirit going to win? Our cleansed spirit infused by the blood of Jesus. Is it going to win? Or sometimes the flesh going to win? It's not an even playing field. Sometimes the flesh is going to win. Sometimes the spirit's going to win. We just have to take things day by day. We have to, to seek God. And we have to be ready. We have to make these decisions. I can't speak entirely to what it's like to walk 
in different shoes because I can only speak to my own shoes. And I don't know what that struggle is like. I only know the sins that I deal with on a daily basis. I only know my own battles. And I know that everything's different for different people. And sometimes the smallest thing can be the biggest thing. We all have our struggles. But it's not God's fault. He's here to help us and to love us no matter what condition that we start in. And we can change. And God can still love us no matter who we are, no matter what we do. And to push him away or allow others to push push him away or as a Christian to push someone away, that is the worst possible thing we can do. Because we may not want to change immediately. We may not want to change tomorrow. We may not want to change a year from now. But the only way that we ever even have a hope of ever wanting to change is by hearing and feeling God. Why is it that we have to protest everything? Why does everything have to be a struggle? Why is it that everything needs a label? And why does these labels are not enough? We have that thing with the, the flag and there's all them different letters and each one of them letters represent a different thing and anymore it keeps getting longer and longer and I can't tell you what all the letters represent anymore and if I knew what the word was I'd still have to look it up because I don't know what that means. We keep trying to divide ourselves up and put ourselves into more and more categories. But we don't have to do that because we are all brothers and sisters. We all fall underneath one umbrella, and that is the umbrella of our Heavenly Father, our God in Heaven. And we don't have to look, keep looking for differences. We don't have to defend our differences. If everyone would just come together and find this one common ground, a love of Jesus, a fire for God, then everything else would work itself out. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to speak your word today, Father.